You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T dot com. Or you can go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about the future. We talk about what's happening in the world today and where we think things are going. And we're not afraid to take a pretty contrarian view of what's happening in the world and where the world is going. To wit, we believe that if you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, how are you, Phil? I'm super fantastic. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Glad to hear you're feeling well, and uh, you ought to be. Your home team did pretty good this afternoon. Well, we have uh, we have an incredible uh, incredible little sports story to relay. I was going to say uh, I, I had put on our outline uh, of the show today football, but uh, 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 Michael uh, uh, reminded me that uh, even though it's pretty much over for the Rockies, in fact, I believe they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs in the year 2009 uh, at this point. Um, uh, it's still baseball season, so uh, let's say hi to let's say hi to our chat host Michael Darling and give us your uh, Cubs update. They still in it? How are they looking? I'm here, and of course they're still in it. This is uh, 2008. This year is next year, and um, all I can tell, all I can say to the the rest of the uh, true blue Rocky fans or the hardcore Rocky fans is, uh, you know, next year for you is next year. Um, in fact, the Cubs, the Cubs actually had a, a Hurricane Ike uh, disruption to their season because they're they were supposed to be playing in Houston all this weekend. So they didn't play Friday, they didn't play yesterday, and they're playing one game today, which I thought was kind of surprising. But apparently, the uh, whatever the stadium is, the Astros play in drains really well. Interesting. So, well, so almost they, all of you. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, are they a game ahead, a game behind? They're they're dead even. How's it? How's the division shaping up? Well, let's see if I can. I wasn't. I hadn't practiced this because I wasn't prepared. But uh, after Labor Day. And we're after Labor Day. If the Cubs yeah. are still in the playoff hunt, and they clearly are, I prefer not to discuss their actual standings. Uh, I just don't want to enough. verbalize okay. it out loud. Fair enough. Okay, uh, absolutely. We don't want to jinx anything here. We, we don't want to. But I will say this: uh, the Democratic National Convention was in Denver this year, uh, just a couple weeks ago, and this is the year 2008. The last time the Democratic National Convention was in Denver was 1908, and the last time the Cubs won a World Series was. 1908. 1908. So yeah, you mentioned that a couple weeks ago on the program, actually. So yeah, and uh, it was before due. Labor Day, though. <laughs> now you got to say it again. That's right. <laughs> you want to talk about a meme? Okay, there it is. The the, the relationship between the the uh, Denver National uh, Democratic National Convention in Denver and the Cubs winning the World Series a uh, hundred years later, seeing that fall into place. You know, Cubs fans are are all over this information. I'm sure. <laughs> the uh, here, here, I've been a Cubs fan. I, I grew up on the north side of Chicago, and in the, then in the Burbs, and I was born there into a family of, uh, I would say, you know, polite Cubs fans. They they weren't going to root for anybody else, but they didn't really they weren't really like baseball nuts. I am, and so it's a whole different thing for me and my circle of Cubs Cubs fan friends. But um, it's you know the people talk about the cub the the curses and the bad luck and the stuff and I'm like you know what I I don't care about some four-legged cloven hoofed animal from the 50s doesn't matter you know, he won't, won't say goat. Eat him. he won't actually he won't actually say goat but uh, yeah go ahead <laughs> I, I didn't say that <laughs> yeah I'm, I took I took note of what he didn't say that's right 
That's right. I'm just no saying I would, I would cook the thing and eat it. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. And any, anything before that or anything since then, it just doesn't matter. But that said, other things do, and they might, and so you never know. All right. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep that in mind, and you keep us posted on the uh, keep us posted on the baseball situation as it keeps going, because I won't have anything else to say about baseball this year. I'm afraid uh, at, at the rate we're going. So, um, and normally we don't. Uh, just for anyone listening for the first time this evening, this isn't really a sports program per se. Uh, we just we we, we 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 talk about the future actually on this show, but we do we do uh, uh, sidebar into sports from time to time and. Uh, uh, Stephen, you had mentioned, yeah, the Broncos played the San Diego Chargers this afternoon. I just wanted to mention what an what an awesome uh, last two minutes that game had. The uh, uh, the, the Broncos were behind by seven, uh, scored a touchdown, and so now they're behind by one point and uh, less than a minute on the clock. And you expect that they will now uh, kick the point after, uh, run the clock down, and and look for uh, uh, look look for hopefully uh, getting a lucky coin toss in overtime and and. Uh, and, and going for the going for the win in overtime, but no, Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, the head coach of the Broncos, says no, go for the win now. So they went for the two point conversion, got it with about uh, 24 seconds left on the clock. Sandio t- takes the ball back and uh, can't quite deliver on scoring. So just extremely exciting, and I thought a little bit meme related in that um, if, if there if there's an idea that has uh, that, that that has caught on, it's that uh, you know in the waning seconds of a football game, you wouldn't take any risk there you would you would settle up you'd get the tie and then you'd go for the win in in halftime and yet Shanahan has uh has set himself apart from other coaches in that respect so that's my that's my attempt to to tie it in it was a great game that last play even was I mean it was exciting down to the last play wasn't it it was an exciting game it absolutely was if uh if anyone got a chance to see that uh you, you saw a good game there for sure so uh, let's let's move quickly on. I think uh, since we checked in on um, uh, the hurricane situation when it was in Louisiana, we should just uh, uh, talk about what's going on with Ike. And Stephen, do you have any? Uh, you're, you're still virtual, you know, compared to the rest of us in that region. Any? Uh, well, Ike actually hit us. Yeah, hit, yeah I, Ike actually uh, rolled through where I am uh, yesterday. Um, it was a tropical storm by the time it got here, and so our, you know, the winds were gusting to you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. And so I had limbs down all over the place in the yard and everything, but no, you know, nothing serious. Uh, down on the coast, it, we, I think we, uh, we got lucky as far as the loss of life goes. There was just, you know, it's not a whole, a whole lot of people uh, lost their life, apparently. Uh, if it was a huge loss of life, I would think that we would know by now. And uh, so, we there's been a there've been a handful of reports of of, of deaths, but uh, uh, fortunately and hopefully it'll stay that number will stay low. Um, it also looks like we may have uh, um, lost. Uh, there might be a, a small amount of. Uh, I mean, a, it, it may be a smaller amount of economic damage than uh, we thought initially. So, anyway. Um, that's and that you know so so we may may have dodged a bullet um, and uh, the economic loss is going to be significant but uh, it did not hit uh, the refineries so we may be okay. So well uh, here's here's hoping absolutely we we, we seem to be uh, trying to uh, to press our good luck with with these things I mean obviously it's not good luck for people who've suffered damage and certainly not for those who've been injured or lost their lives but uh, but relative to to, the, to what could have happened it looks like we 
uh, we might be coming off easy. And of course, our our thoughts and best wishes and prayers are with uh, with all the folks in that region as uh, as hopefully this one dissipates. Um, I, I note Sally J M uh, is having. Oh, okay, Michael is helping her out with that. Um, oh, it looks like the sound may have gone out, but Matt says it's back now. Okay. So, hmm. Well, I'm not. So even hopefully, sure. everyone can hear us. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's fun doing what? a radio show on the on the internet. Okay, so um, here we are talking about the future. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, I remember. I wanted to check in with you. Uh, I thought a, a good way to launch into our topic of memes again this evening, um, kind of recapping where we were last night. For for those not familiar with the idea, uh, uh, memes are. Ideas that spread like viruses. They they are ideas that uh, that use us human beings to reproduce themselves. That uh, that take hold. That uh, get caught by people, and that uh, and that spread themselves out into the into the broader culture, uh, much the way genes reproduce um, uh, via via their organ organism hosts. So so we talked about we talked about memes last week and we talked about some good ones and we talked about some bad ones we're going to pick that discussion up this week but uh steven you had an interesting uh, anecdote about what's happened at the site meter site that i think might uh, might relate to our whole overall discussion of memes this afternoon at instapundit there was uh, uh glenn linked to um a blog called uh, the other mccain anyway just a blogger that happens to be named mccain and he's not John McCain. So anyway, he calls himself the other McCain. Anyway, he he talks about how awful the the new SiteMeter program is. Or it's 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 a it's a web application, and SiteMeter has always been pretty simple. It does its job well. It it monitors your traffic and it lets you know where your traffic is coming from. That kind of thing. Uh, and so bloggers have been using SiteMeter for some time, uh, several years. Um, and they, you know, they launched a new site meter. You have to log in to see your stats, and they've got, you know, all this, all this other stuff. Well, it was, uh, you know, this particular, uh, the other McCain, he came in and then said, you know, this, this just is, it, it, it's terrible. And and so he started gathering um, comments from across the web. Uh, our, fr- our friend Stephen Green. Uh, the vodka pundit said that this thing is so loaded with useless Web 2.0 crap that it's useless. <laughs> what was once what was once great now sucks. Thanks, Site Meter guys. And then you know, I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, pretty much the worst thing that's been done to an established brand since New Coke. Uh, you know, uh, suck sucks so bad it blows. You know, <laughs> it's just on and on. All these guys and uh, I, I, just. Uh, I was laughing at how bad that was. So I, you know, I just said, okay, well, let's, uh, let's. I got to see how, you know, how bad it could it possibly be. So I, I go to SiteMeter.com, and they and there's a message up there, guys. We're so sorry. This was, you know, we're we're loading up the old system right now. You know, uh, excuse the inconvenience. So basically, they they launched a new system, and with within hours, they got the feedback that it was terrible, and went back to the old system. And so, you know, I, I guess that's a good example of a, a meme getting just absolutely destroyed before it even really got launched. 
you know. So. Well, actually, that, what 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 you really see there, the the meme that the new site meter sucks is 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 the actual meme. You know? I guess I mean, so. That's the idea. I guess because the, it's you know, the site meter. The new site meter was the pro- product that got shot down by the meme. I guess so. Exactly. Yeah. So 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 that idea caught on so fast that they. Uh, uh, it sounds to me like pretty much aborted their launch or, or, or tried to uh, undo their launch almost as quickly as they had done it. Yeah. It, Which, it, it just, not, uh, not only – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it, it was univer- universally panned. I wonder if they had an idea of how bad it was before they launched it and and how poorly it would be received. I, it seems strange that they wouldn't know, but I guess – I guess the good thing is you don't have to you don't have to know how it'd be received if you can pull it down that fast and and give us back the old thing that everybody loved. Uh, it, you know you, you've lost less than a day. You know so. Exactly. Yeah. I and and I think it it just goes to show you how uh, how much of an age of memes we live in. How how much of an age of quickly rapidly copied rapidly catching on ideas we live in, particularly for things on the. On the internet, and you know, you, you think about the comparison to New Coke, um, where uh, did they just not grasp that this was going to be a disaster ahead of time? Apparently, sometimes, uh, uh, so, sometimes, you know, so, sometimes they don't grasp that ahead of time. But with New Coke, you know, that whole thing took a matter of what weeks, maybe a month, to kind of unfold, and then and then suddenly they were cla- classic and. Uh, you know, it was this, this huge media blitz. This thing all happened in, in a matter of hours, right? That's right. That's right. We've got a call. Uh, actually, that's uh, Sally J.M. She's listening to the show since she couldn't uh, get on the uh, – uh, That's just fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she's <laughs> glad, <laughs> glad you're able to hear us now, Sally. Um, uh, if there's just one call, I assume that's who it is because she yeah. say she called in. So Okay. That's, that sounds uh, fine. Yeah. So all we need now is enough lines to accommodate uh, – you know, several All of our listeners. Users. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have two more lines. If you'd like to call in, the number is 347-215-8972, and, and we may even bring you into the show. Or you can just listen. Yeah, we'll, Your choice. Yeah. You, well, if you call in uh, and you're not Sally and you don't tell us ahead of time, we are going to bring you on because we're going to assume you called to talk memes. Um, and you can uh, you can join the discussion online, or as Stephen said, you can give us a call. Either way, 347-215-8972. So let's um, let's get back into our discussion and where we left it last week. We had we had just arrived at um, this this interesting notion of um, there's some memes we're better off without. That's right. Um, there, there there are some that uh, that that are like baggage and uh, that that over time have to be eliminated. And you told an excellent story, and I can't remember the guy's name who 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 was involved in this, but he was a I guess some kind of some British official in uh, India, probably That's back right. in the 19th General, century. General Charles Napier, I believe, is who it was, if I remember correctly. And uh, he had, you know, they, there was this this meme, this idea that uh, you know, when a rich man dies, uh, you burn all his property on a big fire to celebrate his life. And guess what? Uh, women were considered property, so they got to burn along with everything else. And uh, they and, and the British started cracking down on that, and the uh, locals, you know, uh, complained about it. This is our culture. You're you're attacking our culture. This is uh, uh, something that's important to us, and, and we, that is our custom. And uh, he, the general responded, "Well, we also have a custom. We hang people that burn women. And uh, so you follow your custom, and uh, we'll uh, follow ours. And so, basically, the <laughs> one, one custom gave way to another." 
so that's uh, uh, so that, that no longer happens in India anymore, and um, I'm sure that it's a it's, uh, India is better off for it. No, no doubt they are. Although I'm sure the folks in India would also uh, be be uh, quite quick to point out that another meme that died was uh, the idea of colonialism, uh, the idea that uh, that a country <laughs> like uh, you know Britain could come down and uh, tell India, well, we're going to be in charge of you, and you're going to be part of our empire. That, that's another idea that. Uh, uh, that uh, seemed to work really well for the world for uh, for I guess What's centuries, uh, all of human history up until I guess the 20th century. It seemed to have really have hit its peak in probably the what 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century, right in there somewhere. And uh, it's pretty much gone now. I mean, you, you, I don't think anyone really practices that meme anymore. That's that's probably a pretty good example of one that's been. I think for, for whatever reason, it, it, well, I think it just uh, it, it it proved not to be profitable anymore, um, yeah. and I, I, for whatever reason, so uh, it was it was left along, uh, by the wayside, and replaced uh, instead by multi you know multinationalism, you know, where uh, and, a, and and a global economy. So, and you, you hear you hear phrases like uh, global you know uh, cultural imperialism. Where you know the whole world has to watch American movies. Well, you know we don't do it at gunpoint. You know if if you like American movies, you can feel free to watch them. You know. Exactly. Yeah. But so it's a whole lot less. It's a whole lot less. You know. You know. I guess it's you know it's not at gunpoint. So watch them if you like. You know. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, there's pretty much a free market in play there. So it looks like uh, we do now have a caller. Uh, uh, Stephen, because uh, it looks like uh, Sally wants to share with us uh, her uh, meme she'd like to kill. Okay, let's bring her on. Hi, Sally. Hi. Hey, welcome to the program. I was just typing on, on your uh, chat room, and I'd like to talk about my least favorite meme, which is the idea that a uh, society's government can run everything. This is a bad one that's... Uh, started in the 19th century and has really trashed things in the 20th century, pretty much starting our world wars and enslaving uh, hundreds of millions of people, and I'd like to see it go. And, I think uh, that's a great example, yeah. Uh, so I guess, Sally, then you're a bit of a libertarian. Is that how you would describe uh, yourself? I'm a Republican with economic libertarian leanings. Yeah, okay, okay. I I, I I I tend to lean that way myself. I, I can't speak for Phil or Michael, though. Well, I, I don't affiliate with any party. Uh, I I do agree <laughs> that the, that that the idea um, that um, that that government can can solve everything is one that uh, uh, is one is one that caught on big time and probably starting in the uh, like like late late 19th century and became this driving force in the 20th century, didn't it? I mean, that's really what the World War was about. That's what the Cold War was about. Uh, it was about different models of, um, of how, you, how you make the government run everything, right? It, it wasn't even necessarily that, that one side was saying you don't and the other side was saying you do. It was, it was, it was a question of, well, we think this is the right way to have the government run everything pretty much on, on one side and, and, uh, and the other side saying, no, we think it's the, the, that this is the right way. That that, that idea became so um, in, ingrained in thinking that, um, that to suggest the government shouldn't be running everything was actually this kind of outlier position. But the 
the libertarian meme, the uh, government should be limited, is one that I think started catching on again, what, probably about midway through the 20th century? And, well, uh, became I'd, say, uh, I'd say Friedrich Hayek had a whole lot to do with it when he wrote and published The Road to Serfdom, showing how uh, having the government run everything will just run everything down because the best way to have uh, a really free society is to have a whole lot of people making their own decisions and then sort of interconnecting and networking with each other. So I think Hayek had a whole lot to do with fighting this bad meme. Okay, and uh, and yeah, see, I look at it as probably from the standpoint of just uh, taking hold of government in the U.S. You look at say like the ascendancy of Ronald Reagan, right? Yes. That would be <laughs> that that would be and kind Reagan of where was, Reagan adored Hayek. He, yeah, yeah, Hayek that's was that's one where of that heroes. That's where that idea starts to catch on. Well, I think that's a great example. That's a that's a terrific example of a uh, of a of a meme that. Um, that uh, got hold of the world, and now we're we're uh, we're dealing with it. I think I think the interesting thing is we haven't settled on what the uh, what the final answer to that one is, um, as far as uh, as far as a coherent set of memes about well, this is absolutely the right uh, the right role for government, and, and this absolutely isn't. I think I think there are probably um, at least in the U.S., there's, there's, there's probably a pretty good uh, division between people who think there should be uh, more involvement by government and, and, and a bigger role for government and those who think that, uh, that, that it should be less. And it comes down to, as uh, Michael mentions here in the back channel, I don't know if he's uh, brought it up on the uh, – uh, yeah, okay, uh, uh, on, on, the, uh, uh, on the chat room, is it, the, the competing memes are um, government – and free market, right? These are the two memes that are that are kind of in competition with each other. And what we're looking for, interestingly, I think, in our society, is what the right balance, what the right tension between those those two things is. When uh, when President Bush came into office, he had this idea of compassionate conservatism, right? I don't want to I don't want to get into the politics of that, but it seems like everyone tries to find an accommodation between these two memes rather than uh, r- rather than stake out a, an absolute position on uh, on one or the other. And I think that uh, this year's presidential race is going to be more of a battle on this than even the war in Iraq. Hmm. I think that's entirely possible. I, that that could be. Of course, that starts to get into politics now. And as you can see, Stephen just uh, cringes when you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's okay, Sally. Don't, I, my cringe factor is uh, don't you worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, right. just kidding. But, but we try, we try, we try to keep it. Uh, we'll try to keep it on on the meme thing. Okay. Well, that, I think that's a, that's an outstanding example, Sally. And we thank you for uh, we thank you for bringing that one on. We'll probably uh, uh, we'll we'll look at a few more here as we go, and uh, we'll put you back on uh, mute and let us know in the chat room if you want to come back on. You're kind of first in line of all the callers. We uh, th- thanks yeah. for calling in. Yeah, it was great. All right. All right. Well, I mean, the other other memes that uh, that should be killed, I think, uh, would be an example of, uh, you know, uh, we we talked about you know women that are uh, being burned along along with the other, you know, with what was considered property then. I think you know you could put in put in that slavery, you know, racism, sexism. I mean, there's absolutely those are all those are all ideas that uh, caught on very early and got reproduced and mm-hmm. became just part of the fabric of society. 
for millennia, right? I mean, they were they were right. part of the, the fabric of society, and th- these are memes that. Uh, it's interesting. You think about the slavery meme. I, I think about that one because we talked about last week. We talked about the fire meme, right? The right. idea of uh, fire spreading. Um, slavery must be one of the earliest. I don't know what to call it. Social structures that was ever developed. Probably sometime. I'm going to think after agriculture was introduced. We got this idea, oh, wait, I can get a lot more done if I just start making people do what I want them to do, right? And it's probably been with uh, humanity as long as, there's been, as long as there's been commerce. Now, officially, the civilized world has eliminated slavery for over the last century and a half or so, and it officially doesn't exist anymore, although definitely there are places in the world, particularly um, – uh, in parts of the uh, African world, parts of the Arab and Muslim world, where it's still practiced. Right. So it's a meme that we would love to see killed uh, that, that unfortunately hasn't been completely killed yet. Well, it, it was probably, if you look at it um, broadly, it was probably the first way that uh, mankind was able to leverage the efforts of other people uh, right. in, in order to become wealthy. And so you you gather, you know, you, you put as many people uh, within your, uh, as possible, uh, you know, in servitude to you, and uh, that was that was a, me- a method by which people got wealthy. Well, you know, obviously there's uh, it's it's morally wrong because uh, you know your your rights. We have decided as 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 a society that our rights should stop where other people's rights you know uh, kick Again. in. Yeah, and and so um, there, and we have other ways that we can leverage the efforts of others, and uh, and 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 people will voluntarily, uh, uh, you know, enter into you know work and 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 work for you if you pay them money, you know. So that's that's the way now that people, uh, uh, you know, leverage the efforts of others. So, um, and then good riddance to slavery. So yeah. Well, absolutely. The sooner the sooner it can be completely stamped out, uh, the better. But I think it's a it's it's a good point that um, uh, that like a lot of other things we've talked about uh, on this show, we we we, we talk about this uh, what what we would like to think of as moral upward moral progression of humanity, and definitely it can be seen that way, uh, where where we stop uh, you know mistreating each other where we start respecting each other's rights where we start respecting the environment but one of the one of the ideas we keep bumping back into as we talk about these things is that people start doing these things as soon as they're able to afford to that's right as soon as as soon as it becomes the effective business model to do so um and in fact in our our, country, our, our morality is remarkably pragmatic you know i mean if yes. we can if we can afford to be better people we tend to be better people and so right. i guess I, if there's uh, if if there's something to be learned from that, it's that let's do our best to be able to afford to be better people. You know, I right. guess. Uh, I mean, go ahead. It, it, yeah, it would seem that the, the technological and economic progress are actually provide the substrate in which you can be better. I mean, right. they, they, they allow for they allow for a better world. I mean, we talked about how the Civil War was really this uh, war between an uh, industrial revolution driven economic model and an agrarian uh, economic slaveholding uh, economic model. And yeah, yeah. fortunately, it was all about agriculture. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, uh, and fortunately, uh, uh, the more modern system prevailed, and uh, and we were able to go on to be more moral people. So, yeah, that's that's good. In fact, I would even say inevitably that's what happened, or I'd like to think inevitably that that's what happened. It, it had it had to happen because the uh, 
the, the, the progress of, of technology and economics had taken us to that stage where, where we had passed uh, out of that. I mean, if you go back, you think about um, – you, you go back to uh, the analogy of fire. Um, whoever started the slave meme came up with a pretty powerful way to structure their society. I'm not saying it was a good way, but probably a slave-holding society – uh, had more resources at their disposal and became uh, more viable economically and probably in every other way than than any other society. They were probably able to outcompete other societies. And in a sense, um, have you ever heard this book, uh, Unleashing the Killer App? Um, no, I've never heard of that. Oh, okay, I'm going to put a link up on the chat room. It's a great book uh, that, uh, that 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 talks about how killer applications um, are are, are kind of well, it, it, it's basically a marketing book, and it, it talks about how to uh, how to develop killer killer applications within your own with your own business. But but it posits this idea of the of the game changing invention, the game changing application that uh, that that rewrites history as they go. And they give wonderful examples that you wouldn't think about, things like the stirrup on the horse, and suddenly uh, the, the 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 armies who had that. Uh, were you know much more successful than the ones they were fighting, and it became this this game changing technology. Well, I would say that in that sense, probably slavery was 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 one of the earliest killer apps, as was probably fire. You know, as was um, I don't know um, iron, right? Le- learning to work with learning to work with metal. It was a, it was a meme that once 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 a, a society got a hold of that idea, they took on a huge competitive advantage, and they carried that one forward and. And any society that was going to try to compete with them uh, was was going to have to uh, was going to have to have that one too. And so slavery was there for the longest time, and then suddenly became less viable economically. And now we live in a, I'd say, a much better world because uh, because we've progressed economically past it. Uh, you know, you know, another thing. Uh, being a Southerner, I'm, uh, you know, you may not have thought of this before, but uh, it's it's absolutely true. Air conditioning in the South. Um, uh-huh. You know the 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 South. I would say pretty much anything south of the Mason Dixon line. Uh, uh, our competitiveness, um, you know, is is almost as if Reconstruction had to wait for the air conditioning to be invented because uh, it, the South remained poor and backwards basically until um, until homes and offices were air conditioned. Uh, efficiencies then, I mean, increased uh, remarkably, and uh, we were and. You know, uh, you have major business centers like Dallas, Houston, um, Atlanta. You know, sure. and, uh, you know that are now becoming uh, it's you know major cities uh, on par with things that were in the north before. You know, so um, it's just That's another a great example. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Air conditioning, the killer app that empowered the new south. That's right. Amazing. And we're getting other uh, – Michael's giving us some more examples, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Mexico City. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Phoenix, yeah. Arizona, where would that place be without air conditioning? You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't well, think it would be the uh, the uh, thriving metropolis that it is uh, today, that's for sure. That's right. All right, this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about memes we'd like to kill, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, memes that we want to promote. And we're going to start some new memes tonight. So everybody be thinking. I think there. Uh, what do you What do you think, Stephen? There probably should be a coffee mug in this for uh, whoever comes up with the best new meme. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, we have to exclude ourselves from this. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we can't award we, we ourselves to, a coffee mug. The advantage that we've been working on it all week. Plus, we could buy ourselves a coffee mug anytime we want to. I mean, really, why? 
why make that part of the show? So um, if you want to join our discussion, if you have an idea for a meme that uh, that you think should be promoted or you have your own idea for a meme, we'll be, we'll be uh, soliciting those ideas a little bit later. You can call us at 347-215-8972 or join us on our lively online chat this evening. And speaking of that, uh, Michael, what other ideas for memes that ought to be killed did, uh, did we see showing up in the chat? Uh, I'm not sure I can succinctly verbalize a meme that was suggested in the chat for death. Okay. Death. Fair okay. Enough. Well, you know, I wrote on that this week. Um, uh, basically, the uh, idea of life extension uh, being well, – here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? Um, the average person uh, – well, back in Roman times, in, in ancient Rome – uh, about 20% of the population, from you know, from the time of birth to death, lived to age 40. Okay. Right. And uh, and by 1960, that that uh, 20% of the population was making you know 70, 75. That uh, that that figure. There's. Um, I was looking at uh, basically if all diseases are cured, we would make it to about age 95. 20% would 20% would make it to about age 95 if all diseases were cured. In other words, if aging. The, so what, what if you if you don't consider so aging a disease, obviously. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. All other all other diseases. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, all other diseases, not not counting aging, if you cure them all, according to uh, this this graph that I, I posted, that was in a Marvin Minsky uh, paper. Um, then you know only only twenty percent of us lived age ninety five and then you know then we all you know basically all of us are dead by age uh, one hundred and fifteen with all diseases cured um, you know the, so basically you're you're getting another ten years over where you're where we are right now if we cure right. all diseases, all we're getting is about another ten years of life expectancy um, It seems to me in order to have any room for real improvement. You have to address aging. You can't. You can't just uh, st stick to the model we have now of curing disease and expect any real. For, you know, I mean, we can we can improve at the margins a little bit on life expectancy, but to have real improvement on life expectancy, we have to start addressing aging now. We really don't have that much more room for improvement. Otherwise, right, right. That's the that's the one. Uh, that's the one we have to work on if we're if we're going to if we're going to make any progress. That's and right. you know, just as far as a uh, as a meme that 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 has appeared over the last decade and a half, I mean, it's been around forever. The idea of uh, of eternal youth, or you know, finding the fountain of youth, or something like that. That idea has existed um, as as more of a fantasy. Uh, forever, although I think that probably during the Middle Ages, when people were seriously studying alchemy and trying to find, uh, you know, secrets of the universe through that, there, there might have, there, there might have been some real belief that uh, uh, that that something could work to slow down aging or to make people, you know, quote unquote, live forever. But as a as a serious technological and scientific proposition, um, the idea of curing aging as a disease is how old is that idea? Is it even a decade old? In its current form, um, it's about a decade old, maybe. You know? Yeah. And um, it's, it, you know, our fantasies sometimes uh, have a tendency sometimes of coming true. I mean, um, before the Wright brothers, uh, there was the fantasy of, of flying, and uh, and then it came to pass. So, 
uh, perhaps technology can uh, deliver on this uh, dream as well. But that's that's basically what what I was writing this week was that in order to have real room for improvement on life, uh, you know, and we and that's the thing we tend to do. We always want to push against our boundaries and our limitations. And but here we are up against it now. We don't have uh, real room for improvement uh, except through addressing aging directly. And so they, I, they have to go after aging directly because we've made to. so much progress with everything else that uh, you're not going to see a big incremental jump. That's right. Yeah. Without, without addressing aging. So that's that's the one that something has to happen. So right. there's this discussion going on in the chat room about fast replicators. Uh, Michael, what's that all about? Matt had suggested that uh, in response to a question about whether or not um, something to be called a meme really needs to have a competitive advantage. And I answered that by saying, well, competitive advantage maybe not. If it, if it, I mean, it doesn't need a competitive advantage to survive. It just needs a competitive advantage to thrive. And in the absence of a threat, um, it could survive a long time without actually thriving. And Matt had suggested, hey, it would be useful to point out or to uh, distinguish between the fast replicators to which you know, partly playing devil's advocate and partly just exploring, I said, why? What do we care if it's a fast replicator? I mean, if I'm a marketing guy selling VCR videotape, I care that the VCR gets adopted rapidly. But if I'm a thinker thinking ideas, I'm not so sure I care if an idea is a fast replicator or if it's, you know, old and, and slow. Well, I think that, that kind of hits the nail on the head, though. I, I think that um, uh, Tech, ideas in the technology realm are almost certain to uh, catch on fast just because that's the medium that uh, that those things are discussed in. So fast replicators are going to be uh, not only ideas about technology, but a lot of popular culture and a lot of political discourse is now driven by the uh, by the Internet. So uh, so those ideas are almost bound to replicate fast. It's it's almost like there's there's no alternative for them to, to reproduce except for that they reproduce quickly. If they don't if they don't reproduce quickly, they're not they're probably not going to reproduce at all. It, you know, th- think of the difference between a page that gets uh 6,000 digs and one that gets 20 digs, right? D- yeah. Dig 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 provides a great example of fast replication in action. If if if, ev- if everyone's saying yes, 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 this I- this idea is um is one that uh, that I that I that I choose to pass on to somebody else, that's going to be the one that succeeds. And I think that then becomes uh, Matt what you're talking about in terms of in terms of competitive advantage. I think that the competitive advantage is that uh, notion we talked about last week of usefulness of the information. So if if I see three stories on the internet and one of them really catches my attention, I say ah that's the one, and then I go blog about that or I put that one on dig or, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, put a link on my Facebook page or something like that. It's because of that, um, it's because of that usefulness content uh, level of, con- uh, level, usefulness level of that content that, uh, that, that I've decided pushes that on. And the perceived usefulness of information, I think, is the competitive advantage. And that's what's going to make it reproduce fast. So, so I actually think fast replicators and memes are the, are the same thing. And that increasingly in, in the world we live in, all memes are going to be fast replicators. I, I don't think there's much room really for, for slow replicators these days. Well, think, think of uh, the, the, the political contest that's going on. If, if an idea does not replicate fast in this contest, it, it, it doesn't get heard. You know, um, it ha- it, you know if, if McCain, you know, uh, 
makes a comment about Obama, or Obama makes a comment about McCain, and then the bloggers take up one aspect of it, and they argue this way and that way. you got bloggers on the left, bloggers on the right, firing back and forth at each other. If if somebody has this brilliant idea and you know types it up on their blog, but that blog is never read, then it you know it's almost as if they didn't you know it, it didn't matter at all you know um, not not for that conversation anyway that's ongoing uh, in this contest. Right. Yeah, I I, I think um, I, I I really I, I think that the that the speed at which we're seeing these things unfold is so different from um, maybe not 2004. But compare 1984 to or ni- the 1988 presidential election with the 2008 presidential election, and, and no comparison you, at all. Yeah, I mean the sheer volume of information you're dealing with about the race, the races right. is just completely out of proportion anyway, because we're uh, we, we have so many more media outlets and new media and all that kind of thing. But just the the rate at which things spread, the rate at which uh, we get that information, is just uh, there's no comparison. And yeah. Michael points out, in 1904, when we reelected. Uh, President Roosevelt. By the way, we should uh, at some point, Michael, we're, we're going to have you uh, on uh, not this week, but at some point, and you can talk about your interesting connection to uh, uh, to, to Teddy Roosevelt. I think that would be uh, that would be some compelling ra- radio. I just I did want to clarify one thing. So your gr- grandfather, whatever he was, great great grandfather, was a rough writer. Is that right? My uh, great grandfather was a uh, was a foot soldier, and the Rough Riders are typically thought of as cavalry, although most of them didn't have horses, so the distinction is somewhat moot. And uh, my grandfather was uh, was in Cuba uh, for for I don't know five or six months during the Spanish-American War, which only lasted about nine months. But but that was part. I mean, that's what we would think of as the Rough Riders, right? That was the the group that Teddy Roosevelt led there in Cuba. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> just just because they weren't on horse doesn't mean they weren't rough riders. For hey, that, that, uh, I think it was I think it was uh, Wild Bill Hickok who popularized popularized and sort of nationalized the idea of the quote rough riders. Um, I don't know that they were even calling themselves that when they were in Cuba, except for the fact that uh, then then Lieutenant Colonel Roosevelt had recruited these guys specifically to be cavalry, which was like the fighter pilot equivalent of the day. Right. Right. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you talk about a, you talk about a meme. Um, the 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 whole urban legend of the of the Rough Riders. I went to a school, the reason I brought this up. I went to a school in Kentucky, Simpsonia, Kentucky, tiny little town in Kentucky, and our uh, basketball team was called the Rough Riders. So I mean, you know, obviously somebody had a connection there, or at the time the school was founded, that was huge in the minds of the of the local populace, what uh, what Roosevelt and those guys had done down there during the Spanish-American War, you know, to the point that they had named their uh, to the point they had named their basketball team after it. Well, I, I mean, much like naming a basketball team after the Vikings or or uh, uh, I don't know the, the, some other mythical god, it, it doesn't make it any less powerful a a motivator just because. You know, if you really found out what those guys were up to and who they were and what they were doing, it maybe didn't resonate quite so mythically. Exactly. Well, that's I mean, that, and and that's uh, one of the things we were talking about uh, the, the the way rumors are spread, the way urban legends are spread, jokes are spread, just about anything in the in the meme sphere gets spread by people taking it and 
fixing it up a little bit, doctoring it just a little bit so it's a little more uh, a little more entertaining. It sounds like Wild, Wild Bill Hickok got a hold of the Rough Riders, and uh, you know he gave him some marketing spin. He gave him an angle, gave it a narrative, as they would say today, to to, to make the whole thing a a, a, a more high concept entertainment kind of a product. So, where does that put us with memes? Uh, are, are we ready to talk about the memes that we want to create ourselves? Or, or Stephen, did you have a few more that you wanted to, uh, to push out? Well, why not, uh, we are uh, getting a little bit low on time, so let's, uh, let's get into the memes that we want to promote. Obviously, the meme, uh, the meme I want to promote is uh, that we really need to address a, uh, aging. And call it a disease, call it whatever you like, but let's address it uh, because that's, that is the way that we're going to improve our lifespan at this point. Oh, wait, I want, I want to take this a step further. This isn't just a meme you, you want to promote. You, you've got to take that meme space, and here's a meme. You, you, you actually have to start a meme. So oh, okay. Give I, I, okay. I did, well, I can't say that I created that meme. That, that meme uh, was created by other people. I guess I am I, – I caught the meme, and I'm trying to transmit it, I guess, at this point. Uh, so I need to come yeah, but, up with a brand new but one. What's, uh, let, me, let me set the rules down here so it's fair for uh, you and uh, the, the, the listeners who are competing for the coffee mug. Of course, you're not competing, and neither am I. Yeah, I'm out of that. Yeah, but. But, but, and, 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 Michael, you, you don't get a mug either. But, um, but for, the, for the listeners, um, it doesn't have to be a wholly new idea. But what we're looking for is a wholly new meme. So, so give us a you – know, even if it's just a uh, are you ready for some football, right? Even if you're just going to give us a, a catchphrase or a slogan uh, to go on top of an existing meme plex, that's fine. Okay. okay. Well, um, we, we well I, I had uh, the uh, the idea of uh, Spock's chessboard a while back. I guess I could claim that as my official meme uh, that uh, that I created. Um, and, and the whole That's idea. A great example. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. You you wrote those. I mean, you've wrote, written a number of posts now on Spock's chessboard and. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You tell us how that works. Well, I, you know, I basically took an idea that you you were uh, you were passing along. Uh, you had picked up elsewhere that um, you know computer uh, computers are advancing exponentially. So it's a little it's like the rice on the chessboard parable. Uh, right. You know, you put uh, one rice uh, one grain of rice on the first uh, square of the chessboard, uh, and then you double it for every square. That's the way our computers are taking off. Uh, basically, by the time you get to the 64 square, it's all the rice that has ever been pr- uh, produced in the history of the world. That's how fast uh, doublings uh, uh, will take you uh, up in the number of rice grains. Okay. Um, my thought was that you know that's that's cool, but that's not that doesn't really uh, get that doesn't really take in the uh how uh, our society is advancing we don't have one chessboard we may have one base chessboard for computation but we have other little boards that are feeding off of that and then feed back into it like uh, um you, you know we have the computation chessboard as the base chessboard and then we have a little uh, chessboard over here for genetics and another little chessboard uh for nanotech and 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 so on and so forth and sometimes uh Exponential advances maybe in nanotech might feed back into the computation chessboard, allowing us to make the next step and the next doubling there, and so on and so forth. So I call it Spock's chessboard because you got multiple chessboard. chessboards uh, We should there. say, for those who aren't familiar, on Star Trek, the original series, Spock, the character, Vulcan, guy had a three-level chessboard that he played a different a variation of chess on, so three-dimensional right. chess, yeah. Which well, so I would I imagine we, it to be a hard game. Um, <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, I, I have a uh, I have a little sound uh, clip from uh, the Big Bang Theory. Have you, have you watched that show, Bill? 
Yeah, in fact, we did a we did a. I, it's one of my favorite shows. We did a sound clip from that uh, last year as well. So okay. I'm eager to hear what our characters are up to here. Okay, well they're playing, they're playing uh, three dimensional chess, and you got Leonard and Sheldon playing each other. Okay. And uh, what you're hearing now is Leonard trying to decide what move he wants to make, and so he's taking he's doing one move, and he's taking it back, he's doing another move, and taking it back. Okay. <laughs> He's very unsure of himself. Checkmate. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, he made ben, the move. Obviously, you're not well suited for three dimensional chess. Perhaps three dimensional Candyland would be more your speed. Just reset the board. It must be humbling to suck on so many different levels. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I just had to play that. But anyway. So that's a good meme, actually. That's the downside of the uh, the uh, the 3D chessboard, uh, this box chessboard, is that it uh, gives us uh, so many more opportunities to uh, be bad at things, right? That's <laughs> right. If, if, if you're not bad enough at uh, at uh, regular chess, then try 3D chess. That you can be even worse. So exactly gives gives you that much more to uh, to not succeed at. Well, let me uh let's let's check in with our chat room. Michael, you got uh, you got a meme you want to you want to uh, introduce here this evening or anybody else uh in the chat room got a meme for us? Yeah, I'd like to uh quote the source for this one, but I can't. Um I I uh I I saw a TED talk recently um and I'll have to go look it up so we can put it in the show notes. And the guy's an educator in England. And uh, by educator, I mean school teacher slash administrator, and for what it's worth, a philosopher on how we should be running schools and teaching. And he made the claim that initially I thought was somewhat audacious, but later came to realize that I think he's 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 smart because, and I you know like everybody, I think he's smart because he thinks like me. But what right. he made the claim was that uh, uh, creativity is at least as important as literacy. And on its surface, that struck me as odd. Hearing Stephen uh, sort of partly wrestle with the vocabulary and partly with the idea that, well, you know, defeating aging or uh, beating aging, it's not a new meme. It's, you know, other people have thought of it, other people have been, yeah, 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 but what we need is a way to tell the universe or to, to get people thinking about the fact that, um, A, it's it's important, but B, we got to be creative here. Being able to read Aubrey de Grey is one thing. Being creative enough to think as creatively as him is a whole other thing. I, I, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephen. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, um, it's it's one thing. I think it's it, it's a mistake that I think has been made too often in in, in schools to you know just. Okay, you know, let's let's get the kids to you know read and write and and and, and do math and th- these things. But I think creativity is something that should be taught as well. Um, and uh, I, I think that that is something you know uh, that we we tend to have lost. Uh, there are few, you know fewer music programs, fewer art programs, and that's. I mean, I'm not talking just about creativity in those fields of music and art, but I, th- those are. Examples of of ways that you can teach creativity that could be brought into other fields, even engineering and things like that. So, um, I, I think can it's it be thing. taught? Actually, can can creativity be taught? I mean, well, I you could give ki- give yeah, kids an opportunity to exercise creativity, and then they right. uh, uh, and then they and give them uh, opportunities to uh, succeed 
while being cre- creative, and uh, you know they uh, encourage them in those things. So yeah, I think it's it's something that you can certainly encourage. Yeah, definitely you can you can encourage it, and I'd like to think it it can be uh, it can be taught. I think that probably the methodology for teaching creativity would be pretty different from anything we've seen in school, including what's done in even in fine arts classes or in creative writing classes. I think to actually teach people to be more creative would be some really interesting courseware that that that, that we don't necessarily have yet. But I I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you look at uh, Stephen, the world you're describing, the world we live in, one where uh, it's not just one square on the uh, chessboard where things are uh, increasing exponentially. It's it's multiple levels. It's multiple levels of change occurring at the same time. And each each one of those different kinds of change that occur that, that is occurring is a, is a different sort of possibility. Well, when we start thinking about you know what what's the world like when you begin to combine possibilities from this level with that level with that level i mean that is truly at, at, at it becomes base. a little bit chaotic uh and you better yeah. you better be you better be able to think quickly and creatively in order just to kind of to keep up and so yeah that is a creative process i mean that ultimately the the, the idea of shaping the world out of all these different streams has to be a creative process people have to think creatively to to put all those to put all those different ideas together right and that actually leads to the meme that I want to get started. So um, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to uh, to jump into this one. I think maybe if we go ahead and play the play the audio clip, this will uh, uh, this will introduce my idea. Something's going to happen, and I wanted to say goodbye. Something wonderful. Mom, I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pretty ominous, wasn't it? That, that is just an ominous-sounding sound clip. Uh, anyone in the chat room, uh, quickly tell us the movie that came from. Anyone in the chat room other than Michael? Let's see if anyone can tell us what movie that came from. <laughs> it was not Balsing Saddles, which I've never actually seen Balsing Saddles. But, uh, <laughs> Was that was that a was that a Malay Brooks movie perhaps? Any, uh, that's Headley. Okay, uh, actually, that is from uh, a movie called uh, 2010, Odyssey 2. That is the sequel to Stanley Kubrick's classic masterpiece, 2001: A Space Odyssey. And uh, just to set up what's happening there, I, I, th- that is not the instance of of that character saying that that I wanted to use. There's another one that's less ominous and less creepy because in that scene, basically, Dave Bowman. Um, a man who is presumed dead these last 10 years um, has mysteriously reappeared on TV and is uh, talking to his widow uh, about uh, this interesting uh, something that's going to happen. But I love the I love the line, and he says it uh, at least twice in the movie. I think he might say it three times. And what he says is, something's going to happen, something wonderful. And... What he's referring to in 2010, I don't know, is it a big spoiler if I give away the end of a 25-year-old movie at this point, uh, 23? Um, I, I, I say go for it. Uh, spoiler alert now. Phil's about to give away the end. Of okay, I'm going to give away the end of 2010. You've had, like, since 1985 to see this movie, folks, so don't blame me, all right? Um, basically, what's, what's, what's happening in 2010 is that the 
the aliens who've been interacting with us have uh, introduced technology. They're, they're loading the planet Jupiter with uh, these, these monoliths. They're making it heavier and heavier and heavier until it reaches critical mass, and suddenly Jupiter explodes. It becomes a star, and all the moons of Jupiter are now planets orbiting this star. And, and so our solar system becomes this, uh, this binary sun system with two sets of planets. So it's a, it's a really uh, kind of cosmological thing that occurs. But it is anticipated throughout the movie by this character, Dave Bowman, who had disappeared at the end of the first movie, showing up from time to time and saying, something's going to happen. Something wonderful. And this is the idea that I keep coming back to on the Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, that I so want uh, to get into the heads of other people. The idea that I would like, I would, you know, I would start a chain letter tomorrow, Stephen, if I thought I could, uh, I could help spread this idea, which is, which is simply that... Um, Going back to the, the five of my friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go, 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 going back to the going back to the chessboard, or or looking just at say the the different subjects that we blog about, or that we talk about on this program, or that we hit in a typical better all the time. There are so many different areas uh, in which massive, vast improvements are being made, and in which the potential for huge leaps forward for the human condition are, is, is being uncovered, that we really stand at, at the dawn of a completely new era in human history. And I can't actually tell you which wonderful thing is going to happen or which combination of things. But I can tell you this, that between life extension research and nanotechnology research and artificial-friendly uh, AI research and new ideas that are developing around energy and around materials fabrication, and uh, treatment of diseases, and just any of these multiple different things we talk about, working together, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that something is going to happen. And it'll be something wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. that's uh, that's my meme. That's the meme I want to get going. And uh, I, I, I think I would I would put that ahead even of live to see it as. Uh, as, as a meme, I would like to, to get, that, get that started and, and get people uh, internalizing that idea. Because I think if you, if you look to the future with that expectation, it actually probably helps to bring something wonderful about, rather than if we look to the future with fear and trepidation. I think we have to be careful. We have to be cautious. And there are a lot of things out there that could be, uh, that could, that could be really bad that could happen, and we talk about those too. But where should our expectations be? I think our expectations should solidly be in the camp of saying, we think something's going to happen. We think something wonderful is going to happen. So that's my meme. Well, we've got to get a less ominous take on that uh, from that movie. I know that there, <laughs> we'll find it and we'll, we'll get it uh, so when we play it again, it'll be uh, less ominous. So. Okay, yeah, we don't want to Let's scare the kids it. listening now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with our new meme. So that's my meme. And uh, Michael, any other uh, late-breaking memes from the chat room? Uh, no. Okay, David Ray has been um, sort of, I think, onto something here. He's suggesting that the uh, something wonderful optimis optimism meme needs a uh, symbol, a simple yet powerful symbol. Perhaps not the smiley face, but you know something uh, equally impactful. Oh, okay. Well, How about uh, an astronaut I'm... that looks like an embryo. <laughs> well, they're. they're... 
We're, we're, wow, we're for sure doesn't get political. I didn't mean to be political. That's an image stolen from 2001: A Space Odyssey. That's I was going right. to say we're probably we're probably treading on trademark issues anyway, using something's going to happen, something wonderful. I think if we were to copy that image, uh, not only would we uh, uh, be increasing the chances that we're uh, that we're treading on trademark issues, I think we wouldn't eliminate the creepiness factor. Okay. <laughs> no way. I mean, that's pretty, that was a one creepy uh, movie at the, there at the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. It is kind of creepy. Um, okay. Any any others, uh, Michael? Yeah, I'll just you know bring up one thing that I brought up in the in the chat, and I think you're missing part of the point in 2010: A Space Odyssey because, yeah, it was a sequel to 2001, and I guess maybe, and something is going to happen, something wonderful, and it was creepy and all that. But uh, Roy Scheider, as a uh, as a uh, I don't know a lead actor, uh, went from Jaws trying to chase sharks to blow them up. In various ways, because in in Jaws and then in Jaws two, in Jaws two he didn't actually you know blow the thing up, but it was just as awesome a shark death. In 2010, if you recall, in his home, he has his I, what I assumed was his mistress dolphin swimming in a tank right in his house. He, yeah, he did have dolphins living in his house, but I believe those were connected to the research that his wife, who was a scientist, was doing, actually. Like I said, I'm suggesting that I saw the film, and I think that, you know, Roy was having sex with dolphins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that will not be our symbol. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that observation. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't want to get too deep into the movie, because I think there is a comparison that can be made between the two, and obviously 2001 is the critically acclaimed film, 2010 is kind of the poorer relation, but I do like that, uh, I do like that phrase from it. Also, you know, don't, be, don't go bad-mouthing uh, Roy Scheider. He, he, I think he's up there somewhere in the, uh, uh, in the Charlton Heston pantheon. You know, he's a lesser, you know, kind of a Heston wannabe kind of a guy. But uh, this this takes us uh, a little past our time, actually, Stephen. So maybe we should uh, jump over quickly and talk about what our uh, what our music is going to be. Okay, um, we are uh, our our uh, music tonight is from Susanna Blinkoff, is her name, and the song is "I Got Lucky." Okay, I got lucky by Susanna Blinkoff. We'll look forward to listening to that. Now, uh, those of you who are listening, uh, if you're listening to this uh, live or if you're listening to the MP3, still plenty of time to enter the competition for the coffee mug. Give us your ideas for memes you want to start. Leave them in the uh, comments on uh, Blog Talk Radio or leave them on the comments uh, at the uh, show notes, which uh, Stephen will be uh, very diligently, and we appreciate it very much, uh, putting up here in the next day or so. And, uh, Stephen, thank you for your contributions this evening. Michael, to you and to all the folks listening in the chat room and to, to everyone our caller listening. and everybody else, yeah. Uh, oh, especially our caller, Sally. Yeah. Uh, uh, to, to everyone listening, uh, we look forward to being with you again on the next Fast Forward Radio. Good night. <laughs>